this. So the point of my message today about demons is not to scare you, um, but it's more along the lines to just give you some information, but also talk about the supremacy of Christ and how he is just so much higher, greater, superior to demons in every possible way. Did I forget something? We're going to do it after. Okay. We're going to, Jillian, this is her last Sunday today before she goes off to California. And I wasn't going to say that now because I want her crying already. But <laughs> or her parents. But um, we're going to, so if I forget, remind me after. We want to pray for her, lay hands on her, and bless her as she's leaving to go. But um, Jesus is so far um, superior to the devil and demons. It's, it's, it's a joke to compare them. It's not like this is a massive fight and he's struggling. It's, it's not like that. God is so far superior. So we're going to go into that this today. And this is going to be a series. I'm going to be talking about this for several weeks, looking at it from different things. Who can have demons? Can Christians have demons? A lot of people think they can't. But I'm going to show you what the Word of God says, okay, what the Bible teaches. Because sometimes there's people that are going through struggles and battles in their life. They've confessed their sins. They've gone to people asking for prayer to get help with this and that. And they're good, well-meaning people. And sometimes they just can't break this habit, this addiction, because sometimes there's a spiritual force, a spiritual entity that they're ignorant of. They don't realize what's bothering them. And it's hindering them from pro progressing in that area of their life. Okay? Now, I'll show you. I'm just saying as a statement today. I'll show you in the Bible next week for sure. But in John 8.36, it says, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Okay? Well, free from what? Who puts the limits on your freedom? Okay? We do. All right? He who the Son sets free is free indeed. So, so there's things we need to be free from that we may not be aware of. The Bible says we know this in Ephesians 6.12. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, against rulers, principalities, and powers, uh, spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Demons have a hierarchy or a government system just like angels do. There's this hierarchy of how they operate, rulers, authorities, principalities, and powers. They all fall, fall under the category of demons. So there's three main views of where demons came from. Some believe that demons are disembodied human spirits. They're just people from the past that are grumpy and they're mad that they died and they're floating around here and they're just bothering people and doing things because they didn't go to heaven, so they're, that's not true. That's not happening. Your grandma, your grandpa's not coming to visit you. Your dad's not coming to visit you if he's already passed on. To be absent from the body, be present with the Lord. You're either going to be in heaven or hell. There's no floating limbo place in between, okay? That's not Christian theology. Um, also, some people believe that the demons came from the union between the nebulon and humans, found in Genesis 6, where the well, it's a long, long story, but anyway, but that's not true either. That's not where it came from. You want to read Genesis 6, you can. But demons are actually fallen angels that are kicked out of heaven when Lucifer fell. And we see this in uh, Revelation 12, verse 4. This is symbolic, but it says, His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. So just, just talk briefly about Revelation, just really quick. The book of Revelation is not the book of the revelation of the end times. It says it's the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay, that's what it says. There's a lot of things in the book of Revelation that have already happened. 
there's some things that are still going to take place. But it says here, one-third of his angels fell with him. So one-third of the angels fell with the devil. That means there's two-thirds left of heavenly angels that are still working for God, still called to be ministering spirits to serve the heirs of salvation. We still got them outnumbered two to one, just in the spiritual realm in, in that. We do not need to be afraid of demons. You know what makes afraid of demons? It's ignorance. It's being afraid to talk about it. It's being like, oh, that's spooky. That's too creepy for me. I don't want to hear about that. Well, guess what? There's people that do want to hear about it. You know who they are? People that are demonized. People that want freedom. And they don't know how to get freedom, so they're going on drugs. They're going on alcohol. They're doing all these other things to try to get free from the, and delivered from these bondages that they're feeling, they're experiencing. And the church doesn't want to talk about it anymore. They think it's, I don't know, it's that people won't be able to handle it. Well, guess what? You need to be able to handle it. And you need to be able to know, because one day you might be in a situation where you're the person that needs to pray and deliver someone from a demon. And it's not hard. It's not hard. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen? It's about Christ. So demons are fallen angels that once served God, but now they serve Satan. So a fallen angel himself, uh, a fallen angel it could also be like a... The devil could actually be a, like an archangel, like Michael or Gabriel. He could have been one of those. So the word angel means messenger or sent messenger and comes from an unused root meaning to dispatch as a deputy. So the messenger means dispatch it like a deputy. So God and Satan both have these angelic messengers, and they send them out like deputies to, do this, to give out this meth, their message and to pro- proclaim their agenda. Okay, we can see that in the Bible. We can think of Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 7. He references this messenger of Satan that was sent to buffet him, to torment him, to beat him. It means to beat with blow after blow after blow. It was not a messenger of God. I don't know how people can be so uh, bad at their reading skills. It says a messenger of Satan, and somehow they say that thorn of flesh was from God. No, it says it's from the devil. A messenger is the same word for angel. Is a, is a spokesperson, and they had a message, and they had an agenda, okay? So angels and demons are spirits, and they're spiritual creatures that move around, usually in an unseen realm in this world. Some people like Nick can sometimes see him. On what you're seeing today, you can tell me later. I don't know if I want to know right now. <laughs> it's so, it's a lot of stuff he sees is so cool. But the word spirit in the Greek language is the word pneuma, and it's where we get our word for pneumonia, Okay? There, it means a current of air, breath, blast, or a breeze. They're air. It's, they're in the airwaves, okay? You can get an air filter at your house for uh, taking out these particles of stuff that's floating around. I've been swallowing a lot of insulation particles lately working in the attic, and it's not fun make you cough. But there's an air filter you can get to cleanse the air in your home. It's Jesus Christ. The best air purifier there is. But it's interesting that You know, this word for spirit means a current of air, breath, a blast, or a breeze. But Ephesians 2.2 calls Satan the prince and power of the air. The prince and power of the air. So how hard is it for you to get rid of air from your lungs? It's a breath. It's a breath, okay? It is not hard to blow your nose or to get air out of your body. And it's the same way it is not hard to get demons out of people. It might take time sometimes. There could be some things we have to discern, but it's not hard. So Satan has influence over airwaves, and this is how his message and his messengers travel. They travel through the airwaves, okay? Now, just because we don't see these spiritual creatures doesn't mean they don't have an impact on our lives. 
You know, you've seen the cartoons probably, when, well, at least I did when you were a kid. You had the angel on one side and the little demon on this side trying to influence you. Well, it's not totally true, but the same way, demons are trying to, their agenda, they're a sent messenger from the devil, and their agenda is to influence you how you think, what you believe, and how you treat people. They're trying to. Whether you believe they are here or not, that's just what they do. They are sent from Satan. We know from the word of God that Satan is out to steal, kill, and destroy. He only goes out to steal, kill, and destroy. So all of his messengers, his demonic messengers, are out to steal, kill, and destroy. Your mental health, your emotional health, relationships, marriages, homes, children, relationships, just anything he can steal, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy, okay? So Satan and his demonic spirits or messengers have a message or an agenda to steal, kill, and destroy humanity. That's what we're trying to do. But the second half of that verse says this, talking about Jesus says this, but I have come that they may have life, and they may have it more abundantly. There's a, there's a fight going on in the heavenlies for abundant life versus destructive life and life of destruction. Okay? So here's the battle for humanity. It is a battle of influence. Whose message are people going to believe? The truth versus a lie, good versus evil, life versus death, hope versus despair, new creation versus eternal destruction. That's the, that's the fight. And the world wants you to believe, the devil wants you to believe that this fight isn't really going on. It's, oh, it's just their personalities. Sometimes that's true. Sometimes it's not true. Sometimes it's a demon, okay? Again, John eight thirty six says this, Therefore, the Son makes you free. You shall be free indeed. And I want to say again, free from what? Free from what? And you say free from sin? Okay, I agree with that. Is there anything else? Yeah. Uh, believe lies? Bondages? Can, the, the, I guess the question is more than demons. We'll get into this more later, but so people don't believe that Christians can have demons. Do we believe Christians can have bondage? Do they believe they can be in bondage? Okay, were the Israelites in bondage for a long time, weren't they? 430 years. So if the Israelites could be in bondage, could a Christian be in bondage? Okay, let's, let's think of it this way, okay? I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but I'm just going to have fun with it a little bit. If you, if you left your home today and you left a window unlocked or you left a door unlocked, and when you came home, there was somebody in your house, an intruder in your house, would that make that house belong to them just because they intruded in there? I just want to give you that to think about. I'll come more into that later, okay? All right, it still can be your house, but you can still have a trespasser in there, and it's our job to kick him out, okay? It doesn't make you spooky. It doesn't make you weird. It doesn't make you even special if you have a demon. You know what it makes you? Pretty much normal. Pretty much normal. I would guess to say that just about everybody in here has some kind of demonic influence in your life. And I don't mean a judgment. It's just reality. He has schemes, strategies, agendas to steal, kill, and destroy from everyone in here. You're not so special you get, to, you get to skip this fight. You're in the fight whether you want to be or not. So you might as well know how to win it, amen? We're in it to win it. All right, so I want to start with looking at Mark 5. I'm reading you a story here. There's a lot of stories in the Bible about demons and stuff. Verse 1. Then they came to the other side of the, of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when they had come out of the boat, immediately 
there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. And the chains had been pulled apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone take, tame him. And always night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. Now, how'd you like to have that guy for a neighbor? Okay. This guy lived in the graveyard. And he was living in isolation because he had an unclean spirit. We'll find out later more than one. Uh, he was out of his mind, cut himself with stones. Other, uh, other gospels say he was in there naked, had no clothes on. He had supernatural strength that you could try to capture this guy, chain him up with shackles and strong chains that they made with real metal, real iron. And the blacksmith would custom make probably for this guy. And he still would break them. You know, my neighbor Preston has this big dog named Hank. And this big dog is, he breaks that chain next door all the time. Like, he'll, he'll buy another one. He'll, he'll buy a bigger size up, and then he busts that when he runs over to our house. Ooh, ooh. He looks in the window and barks at us until we come out and wants Lauren to play with him. But anyway, uh, it, he's going up a bigger chain, a bigger chain. This guy had somehow got this supernatural power from a demonic spirit. He could break chains and shackles into pieces. Not normal. Even those strong guys that ripped the phone books, what are those guys called? They, can't, they couldn't do that. All right? It was supernatural strength. And it says no one could bind him, no one could tame him. But then he meets Jesus. The best power that they, the devil had to offer couldn't stop this guy from coming to Jesus. It couldn't stop him. Verse 6 says this, But he saw Jesus from afar. He ran and worshipped him. This man, even in this impaired state, this demonized state, the devil couldn't stop him from worshiping Jesus. The devil couldn't stop him from running to him, coming to his feet and worshiping him. Verse 7 says this, And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. So question for you here, who is talking? Okay, who's talking? Is the man speaking here or the demon speaking here? The man ran up to Jesus. He's, he's falling on his face. He's worshiping Jesus. And all of a sudden, he, he says, What have I to do with you, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. Well, does Jesus go around normally tormenting people? Do we have one example of Jesus tormenting people? We don't even see him teasing his mom, right? We don't, we don't see that in the Bible. But this, this person was now speaking, a demon in the person, speaking through his vocal cords and saying this to Jesus. Often Jesus would tell him to shut up. So um, the spirit in the man spoke through the man's vocal cords. Why did the demon say this to him? Well, verse 8 tells us, kind of, it's written kind of out of order, but verse 8 says this, that Jesus had already said to him, come out of the man, unclean spirit. So Jesus said, come out, and this, all of a sudden this demon starts speaking to Jesus. He says, I implore you, don't torment me. So there was a delay there. He didn't obey instantly. But he did obey. So verse 9 says this. Then he asked him, what is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. 
So we is now singular and plural at the same time here. We, <laughs> my, name, my name, he says, is Legion. Anyway, but Legion is a Roman military term, and it means 6,826 troops. So potentially this man could have been demonized with 6,826 troops. It could have been less. It could have been more. We don't know. But this man was seriously demonized, the most demonized person we know of in the Bible. And yet, he meets Jesus. And what happens? He couldn't, the devil couldn't stop him. Chains couldn't stop that guy. Uh, shackles couldn't stop that guy. But neither could the, the, his, the spirit in the guy worshiping Jesus. Couldn't, the devil couldn't stop him. Couldn't stop him. Verse 10 says this. Also, he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now, a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission, and the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000, talking about 2,000 pigs. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. Okay, now I don't know if these were Jewish people because Jews don't eat pigs. So most likely they were not Jewish people. Some say they could have been uh, worshiping pigs. They could have had this shrine there to worship pigs. Maybe that's why Jesus allowed them to go into the demons, and then they had deviled ham, and they all died. You know, 2,000 of them died. Just think, they had this, they had, this guy had 6,826 or more demons in him, legion of demons, and he's tormented. He's naked. He's cutting himself with stones. He's breaking chains. He's living in a graveyard. No family. He's isolated, all alone. And then... They leave him, at Jesus' command, enter pigs, and instantly these things are killed. They're dead. Okay, let's go on. Verse 15. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had a legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were very happy. Or they were not happy. They were more comfortable with the man the way he was than the way he was now. It says, and they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead or beg with Jesus to depart from their region. Can you imagine? This man, just was, we don't know his age, was bound, we don't know for how long, for probably quite a while. And he's now free. He's got his clothes on. That's a good start right there, right? I think that'd be progress right there. He's got his clothes on. He's in his right mind. He's sitting down talking normal. And now they're afraid. Uh, it doesn't make sense. And they begged Jesus to leave. Verse 18. And when he, that's Jesus, got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Apocalypse, that means ten cities, all that Jesus had done for him. And they all marveled. So this man became, he went from being naked, cut himself, living in a graveyard, with chains on and breaking the chains, to being a proclaimer of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what God had done for him and set him free to 10 cities in a second of meeting Jesus. Who's superior? Who is superior? Amen. He's superior. So I want to point a few things here. The man, as demonized as he was, couldn't be stopped from worshiping Jesus. Amen. And the devil could not stop this man from getting free. 
And if the Son makes you free, you're free indeed. God can't, the devil can't stop you. The devil can't stop you from getting free. All right? So one of the goals of demons we can see from this story is to enter a body. And when they had to leave this guy's body, the legion had to leave this one man's body, they wanted to find another body. So they were allowed to go to pigs in this particular story. That doesn't mean you can't eat ham. I particularly like ham. I'm a fan of it, deviled or otherwise, but <laughs> I like ham. This is not the point of the story. The point of the story is these demons want a body. They currently don't have a body, but they want a body. And so it seems like it's okay to have an animal, but if it's an animal, it doesn't seem to last as long as a person. And they destroy these, these pigs in, in minutes. So this is what it looks like, stealing, killing, and destroying, what it looks like. It's stealing this guy's life, his dignity, all his relationships with his family, his friends, his neighbors, his, maybe his children. We don't know when this happened to this guy. He's stealing everything he has in his life. But it's also a story of what freedom looks like, what redemption looks like, going from living in a graveyard to preaching the gospel in 10 different cities. Amen. Here's another story. Think about this one, Matthew 14, 14 and 15. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. The so the demon caused this man, it was this, this man's son, to often fall into fire and into water. How's that for stealing, killing, destroying? Imagine that was your life or your son. Don't, no, don't go over there today. Don't go near that pond today. Stay away from there. Because oftentimes, don't know how often, but often, when he went near fire and water, he's somehow going to fall in. Now, is he all of a sudden become clumsy? Or is something pushing him in? We don't know what's really going on. But somehow he often fell in the fire and the water. Okay? He is, this is part of that look of stealing, killing, and destroying. He didn't have a normal life. It wasn't normal. Or how about this story of the Gentile woman who sought deliverance for her daughter? Matthew 15. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Cana came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Okay, now we don't know how these demons or demon affected this, this lady's daughter. But we know it was severe. It was severe enough to have caused her to be desperate to, and persistent for help. And this is the one that had uh, perceived that Jesus had known her three or four times. But she said, I only need a crown. Guys, these stories are all through the Bible. All through the Bible. Demons are real. The word demon is in the New Testament 82 times and 61 times in the Gospels alone. I want to tell you another story about a, a guy named George. Just so you know that it isn't just... Uh, for back in the day, on our first trip to Uganda, Dave Mark's here, uh, our first trip to Uganda, we were in a small village in Gomba, and uh, we're walking around feeding, giving food to uh, widows that were there, rice and beans and soap and sugar and stuff like that. And often they were asking us to pray for them for healing and different things, and we did. And we saw a lot of, that one morning specifically, we saw a bunch of miracles before we even got to church. And it was like, all right, church hasn't started yet. We've seen all these eyes healed, back sealed, all kinds of stuff going on. So we get to George's home, and George's dad was the head Muslim of that community in that area. And we met him, and uh, he must have been a widower, and we were just talking to him and seeing how things were going through a translator. And he said, uh, I would like to ask you if you'd pray for my son. 
I thought it was odd that a, a Muslim would ask a Christian to pray for his son, but the guy was desperate. He was desperate. I said, well, what's wrong with your son? He said, he's a madman. I was thinking, like, a madman? What does that mean? He's got anger issues or what's going on? And uh, so we asked him, and he said, no, he's loco. He's crazy. He goes, he often, like, he had a full-time job in the city, and some, uh, somebody put a curse on him, and he lost his mind. Now he often getting lost in the jungle. They don't know where he is for days at a time. And he was just, he was, anyway, so where's George? He's, he's sitting over there. Like, okay. So we're walking towards George, three of us, and at first I'm thinking, oh, boy. And then, and then at the same time, I, I hear God say to me, said, command that, uh, d- uh, break the spirit of witchcraft off his life. Like, okay. So we're walking towards him. He's sitting there on this little bench, and uh, we just start praying for him. I just put my hand on his shoulder. And I said, I just, I didn't know if I prayed out loud. I can't remember, but I said, Father, in Jesus' name, I break the power of witchcraft off of George. And so George started talking to us, like through a translator, just talking to us. And I didn't think it was any big deal. I thought that was pretty normal for people to do. But then his dad yelled over and said, what is George doing talking to those three white guys? Like, what do you mean? He goes, George hasn't spoken to anyone in over six years. Instantly. It wasn't hard. It was instant. Then he had pain moving in his body from spot to spot to spot. Well, pain doesn't move. When I fall down, fall down and bump my knee, it doesn't ever move to my elbow or my head. All right? If your pain moves, it's not normal. Right? It's so you know. So it was moving. We prayed for him, and then the pain left. He got freed from that. And so... Uh, we were about to leave because almost time for church to start, and we're about to go. And George goes, "Wait, wait, wait! Don't go yet." I go. Well, what is it? He goes, "I want to give my life to Christ." Right there in his dad's driveway, we had the privilege and honor to help lead this man who just got set free from demons to Jesus and got free. So then he runs into his house. Got, he's now in his right mind, just like this other story we read. Goes in his little mud hut, literally mud hut with a straw roof. Goes in there, just tiny like the size of the men's bathroom probably. It's just small. Goes in there, comes out with the best clothes that he had on. He goes, I want to go with you to church. So he goes with us to church. We get there, and we had these the guest seats of honor. They're plastic chairs that you stack, you know. We had the guest seats of honor, and George sat right beside me. And uh, I noticed people kept looking over at us like, what is George doing here? What is that crazy man doing here? Why is he here? Why is he sitting up there? And so after a while, the pastor noticed it was being a little distraction. He got up and just started sharing. George has been set free by the power of God, and he's here today, and he gave his life to Jesus. And they, the church you know, clapped and celebrated. They took up an offering for him, gave him some food and some money and the different things. Guys, that is the power of God. That's the gospel of the kingdom. It is. It's what it is. I mean, it's right out of a storybook. And it, they are, the demons today are as real as they ever were in, um, in Bible days. They just have certain conditions and medical terms. Sometimes they label them. Okay? All right. I'm just going to leave that there because it's not always the case, but sometimes that's the case. But the, 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 the devil's agenda is still the same. He's out to steal, kill, and destroy. That's their message. And there's a false teaching going around that demons aren't aren't real. There's some even that teach that Jesus didn't even really believe in demons. He just conceded with the Jews so he didn't cause a stink. Like that, like, like that was Jesus' style, you know, to disagree with the Pharisees on something. But anyway, that, that he just coddled them in this belief system, and that, he just went along with it. Yet uh, 82 times it mentions demons in the New Testament, 61 in the Gospels. It's foolish. You know, and the devil has, has two groups of people that I think he really appreciates. One is the skeptic who says there's no such thing. And there, the other one is the one who's um, 
who's superstitious and believes that everything is a demon. My car didn't start, oh, it was a demon. Oh, this didn't happen, it was a demon. Uh, probably not. You might just need a new battery. You might need to put gas in there or something. So, again, the devil has a message in the, in messengers, and they are trying to spread a gospel, their gospel of confusion, torment, hate, bitterness, lying, cheating, stealing, addictions, and any other negative word you can think of that's counter-Christ. That's their agenda, and that's their message to go out there. And we can say, the church can say all they want to, that they're not real, but they're destroying people's lives who are letting it happen. They're destroying homes and marriages and the church saying they don't exist. And it's wrong. It is wrong. Demons are real. Uh, we just look around at society today, you can know that they're real. Things that's happening in our government today isn't just Republican or Democrat. I'm telling you, this is a whole demonic thing that goes way past a difference of, of beliefs, a difference of points of views on things. This is a heaven and hell. This is death and life kind of a thing. This is what the, the, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. They want to kill our babies. They want to pervert their minds. This is all part of this demonic structure you see all through the Bible. That's not just people. It's they've listened to these demonic messengers, these demonic angels or demons, and they are listening to them and they are speaking their gospel. And it's polluting our country in this, in this globe. And someone else has to stand up and preach the truth that sets people free. So there's testimonies like this guy that can go to 10 cities and proclaim it. So, again, Jesus said in John 8, 32, we will know the truth and the truth will make you free. And free from what? Free from everything. Anything. Anything and everything. You do not have to be bound by fear. You do not have to be bound in addictions. You don't have to be bound by pornography. You don't have to be bound in hatred, anger, jealousy. You don't have to be bound by anything. Anything. In your marriage, and you're fighting with your, your husband or wife, if you talk with a certain topic, there's a certain fight and the friction that breaks out. You don't have to do that. You can bind that spirit in Jesus' name, not even out loud like, uh, like, like Jesus did to Peter one day. You know, <laughs> he called, get behind me, Satan. He said, to, he said to Peter, didn't he? Because he was speaking the things of the world and not the things of God. Let's look at Luke um, 18, Luke 8, excuse me, 11. 1920. I want to read this to you. And if I, that's Jesus, cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. So they were, Jesus was cast out demons very often. You read the book of Mark, it's almost on every page, maybe every page. And the Pharisees, the people were jealous. They started calling Jesus names, and they didn't like the attention he was getting. And they said, well, he's just, he is a, he, he is a demonic spirit himself. It's by the, the devil's army. He has power to do this. And he said, no, it's not the devil. If, if the king is divided against itself, it's not going to stand. He said, I cast out demons by the finger of God. I want you to think about this for a second. Jesus didn't say, I cast out demons by the hand of God. He didn't say, I cast out demons by the mighty right arm of God's strength. He just said a finger. I cast out demons by a finger. By the finger of God. I just want to just emphasize again the supremacy 
of the kingdom of God and the power of God over all unclean spirits, over all demonic principalities, over everything that tries to torment your home, your life, your family. There's power in the name of Jesus to set anyone and everyone free. If God could set that man free with a legion of demons, he could definitely help you and help me if he had something bothering you. And I'm telling you, you can come to me and, and talk to me sometime. You feel like you might have a demonic thing going on in your life. Because I've been there. I've been set free from demons. I've had de- a deliverance from me. Dick Robinson came. We were sitting right by the bathroom over there. And he said to me, right before the service was just about to start, he was going to come out here and introduce his book and stuff. I hadn't read his book, so I was thinking, like, how am I going to recommend this book? I haven't read it yet. Anyway, and uh, he, he could tell I was kind of anxious and stressed and getting worked up a bit about it. And he said, Ryan, do you have demons? I'm like, I don't even know this dude. Like, who is this guy? I literally met him like an hour before that. He goes, but if you come to my house, I'll minister to you, and I'll help you get free. I was very offended. I was very offended. Who is this old man think he is talking to me like that? I pray for the sick. I've seen him get healed. I've done this. I start going down this pride resume of things that I've done that I haven't really done. I've done by the power of God. But I got home and prayed, and God's like, don't be offended. He's right. I was like, geez, he's right? Because I hadn't had my theology of demons worked out yet. Like, he's right? I'm like, I'm getting a little spooked out. I'm like, thinking like what do you mean? And how am I going to sleep tonight? And like, just kind of creeped out of it. Um, but he was right. And I went to his house for four or five days, spent time with him and his wife, and they ministered to me. And they loved on me. And they showed me areas of my life that was actually bondage. Areas of my life that I thought was me, but it wasn't me. It was a spirit. And they prayed for me, and I got delivered from stuff. Some stuff I still had to fight as I, the door was still open for some reason. I hadn't closed, and I hadn't learned about that. But I got free, and my family could tell. People in the church could tell afterwards. I, I, usually in my open book, I'll tell every story about anybody. But at that time, I didn't want to talk about it. It felt so personal. It was really different. I'm going to share one more story with you, then I'll, I'll close this other portion of Scripture. But... Um, I remember when I first started praying for the sick, I went to this church in, uh, it was 2002, and went to this church in Canada, and uh, we were praying for people, and I'm telling you, people were getting healed of all kinds of things. Ears were opening, backs healed, necks, um, diabetes, a whole bunch of different things were getting healed. I'm praying for people in this prayer line, and this one lady um, sat up here at the front waiting for me to pray for her at the end, and she had two daughters with her, and her husband was with her. And she could be sitting in this room right today, and you would not be able to know what was going on in her life. She looks like an everyday Christian lady. Could be a Sunday school teacher, could have been a piano player. She looked just as normal as anybody. So she waited to the end. She was the last one I prayed for. There was, I don't know, I prayed for, I don't know, 50 to 100 people. I don't remember, it was a long time ago. But anyway, um, got to her. I put my hand on her to pray for her, and she goes, she just like pushed back like that, like, Jeez, <laughs> like, I mean, barely, it wasn't like the touch of someone that had been abused. It was a touch of someone that felt the power of God, and the spirit in her didn't like it. And I discerned it, like, right away. And I'm like, okay, um, is it okay if we minister to you? Because there's, there's little girls, they're like teenagers in the front row. I didn't want their, her daughters to see this spiritual confrontation that might be taking place in a minute. So we went to a back room, myself and another couple people, with her, and I just said, ma'am, you have demons, and I had no theology of this before my personal deliverance, but I just, it wasn't hard to discern that, okay, <laughs> it was pretty obvious, and she said, yes, I know, I said, okay, she was, and then she said, they left before, 
but then they came back. I said, okay. And like, well, do you want them to leave now? She goes, I'm not sure. It's, it's, when you're dealing with demons, it's not logical, just so you know. It's not logical. And I said, well, why did you just wait for an hour while I prayed for all these people, and now you're not sure if you want to be delivered and set free? She goes, hmm, I think I'll just keep them. I think I'm okay. And I'm like, all right, God bless you. Have a good night. And I let her go. Because um, I could pray for her, command those demons to leave. It doesn't, I have authority over them. You have authority over them. But the problem is, when she gets home, she comes back into agreement with those spirits that left her. They're going to come back, and the Word of God declares, we didn't read it today, but it says they're going to come back seven times worse. And her, worst, her second condition is going to be worse than her first. So I could, look, I could look good and spiritual to these people by casting out these demons. Like, you see, I got authority. I got power. But guess what? I'm really hurting this woman. It's pride. It's ignorance. Because she's going to be worse off than she was before. That's not love. So I let her go home. And that night, we saw, I probably saw close to 100 miracles that night. But that was the last person I prayed for. And all night long laying in bed. I wasn't thinking with the lady whose back was healed and eyes or ear popped open, all this stuff. I was thinking with that lady. God, that bothers me. That just irritates me. Why would she do that? Why would she want them to stay? Why would, why would that? And then I'm like, then I remember saying to God, like, God, I'm cool with the healing stuff. It was new to me then. I'm like, I'm cool with the healing stuff. That's awesome. That's fun. People are excited. But I don't know how I feel with this demon stuff. I don't really like that. That gave me the eebie-jeebies. I felt like this like, ooh, weird feeling up my spine. Like, ooh, gosh, that's, that was not normal. Something was not right there. And uh, I heard God just as plain as I'm talking to you. He said, Ryan, you can't have one without the other. You can't have the healing ministry without the deliverance ministry because they totally overlap. It doesn't mean every sickness is a demon. It doesn't mean it's always that way, but they definitely are going to overlap. You see it in Jesus' life. You see it in his ministry, what he did. It, one third of his ministry was preaching and teaching, healing the sick, and casting out demons. It's what he did. And he said, now it's our turn to do what he's called, what, what he did. So I want to I close with this. We're gonna, this is a series we're going to go on to more into this, more in depth, of how demons get in people, generationally in other ways, and how they get out. Okay, If Christians can have demons, if they can't, we're going to look at that. But I want to close with this, Revelation 20, 1 through 3. It says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. So it's an angel. He laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is a devil, and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal on him, so that he could that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. Uh, the thing I want to point out to you with this is people are so afraid of the devil, God sent one angel to bound him with a chain and throw him in the bottomless pit. He didn't say an army of angels. He didn't even go himself. He's like, all right, you, uh, how about you? You go, you go get him. Could have been the weakest one of all of them. We don't know. He didn't say it was Michael, didn't say it was Gabriel or an archangel. He just says an angel, one angel, took a chain, bound Satan, threw him in the bottom of a pit, and he couldn't get out for over a thousand years. He's not all-powerful. It's deception. It's the finger of God can cast out. One angel can take care of the devil himself. He's not all-powerful. Amen? God Almighty is all-powerful. 
He's all-powerful. So I want to, we're going to talk about demons, but I don't want to glorify them. And that people get afraid. They have to realize God is, has and always will have the supremacy. You might see some manifestations you don't like. It might make you uncomfortable. But the person getting free is the main thing. Amen. Jesus said this in John 28, Matthew 28. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go th- therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the, Hol- and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All authority, which means the devil has none. He still has power. Demons still have power, but they do not have authority. And there's a difference. Amen. All right, so in the weeks to come, we're going to look at demons and types and shadows of demons in the Old Testament because they're there. There's some weird verses in the Old Testament. There's some weird ones in the New Testament. We'll look at if Christians can have demons or that can they be demon-possessed. We'll look at the meaning of those words and see if it's possible because sometimes they talk about it and people just shoot it down. Well, no, uh, de- Christians can't have demons, so they can't be demon-possessed. We'll look at the meaning of that word, what it actually means. We're going to look at um, how demons enter people and how to get them out, Okay. And I want to just say, you need to know this. Some of you need to know it for yourself. Maybe all of you. I don't know. Only God knows. But we definitely all need to know for our neighbors, for our loved ones, for your children, how to pray spiritual protection, prayers over people. How do you know when you're under torment? How do you know when you're being afflicted by a spirit? How do you know if this is just a sickness on you or was it a spirit that came on you and you didn't realize it? Because it's just a breath. It can be just as... Quick as that, this breath of something comes upon you, in you, on you, whatever. And we have to have gifts in the body of Christ, discerning of spirits, which is one of the gifts of spirit, so we can know how to take care of these things. If you, you, you do not want these things on and around you, do you? But sometimes they are because of our ignorance. But we're going to look at these things and then believe God to be the most free people on the planet. Amen. You don't have to be bound by anything. It just takes a finger of God, just a pinky, and those things are going to be gone, amen, amen, I want to pray, and we're going to invite Jillian to come up after I pray, again, my point in this message was not to scare any of you, anybody, we do not need to be afraid of demons, okay, we don't, some of the manifestations through people can make you uncomfortable when you see people foaming at the mouth or falling down and doing the things they did in the Bible, it's in the Bible, I've seen it in, in different countries, and it's, it does make me a little uncomfortable. I remember, I'll tell this funny story. Jordan's not here. We were in Brazil, and this lady was manifest a demon, hardcore. Like, in the, the least discerning person in the world would be able to pick up on it, whether Christian or not, that that lady was manifesting demons. It was so obvious. So we've been praying for people. They're getting healed and things, and uh, I say to Jordan, hey, Jordan, you see that lady over there? She was the most obvious one in the whole room of what was going on, of like a, uh, several hundred people. He goes, yeah, I goes, I want you to go pray for her, minister to her. He goes, oh, dad. He was like 12. Oh, dad, please don't make me do that. Please don't make me do that. And it's funny, but I want to just say this too. He could have done it. You could have done it. It might make you feel uncomfortable in your flesh because it's something you hadn't seen or been around much, but Christ in you, the hope of glory, just takes a pinky. It's the finger of God to take care of unclean spirits, amen. And it's that good, easy. So I want to encourage you today. If you think you might be embodied to something, it's, you say maybe it's anger. Well, guess what? That could be a spirit. You say, well, I've always been that way. So what? We're born in sin. We're not born holy and sanctified. We become that, that through the grace of God. Maybe it's lust. 
Sometimes the stuff you're going through, it's generational. You inherited it. You were born that way. You didn't even do anything to become that way. You just say, I've always been that way. Well, guess what? It came through your generational line. And we'll talk about that too. But you can get free from that. You can sever that and be absolutely free. I just want you to have so much hope and expectation that God said, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. I think that would include everything, wouldn't you? Everything. Everything. So I want to pray for you guys. I want you to have faith and expectation that you can be and will be the most free people on the planet. Amen? By the finger of God. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power that's in your name. I thank you the very gates of hell cannot prevail against us. The gates of hell. That 6,826 demons could not withstand the name of Jesus and the presence of God. So I thank you, Lord, for your mighty hand of deliverance. You said in, I think it's Joel 2, 20, 32, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. And I pray, Lord, uh, for your power to be manifest, and we will be the most free people on the planet. It wouldn't elevate the devil or demons in our mind, but we'd elevate Christ and the power of God and the finger of God for our freedom. And I thank you, he the, son, he the Son sets free, is free indeed. We will know the truth, and the truth will make us free. We thank you, Father, for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.